In a world where entertainment is randomly scattered across Wikipedia, and no one can be sure of anything. Citation needed! Two men stand alone. They are Ben Graw, I'm Earth's last hope, and Garth Remington. Does it come with a pickle or is that extra? And word on the street is, they're gonna clean up Wikipedia. Yo, I heard word on the street is, they gonna clean up Wikipedia. And while they're fighting a tide of information, their fans are fighting tides of hot girls hitting on them. You listen to Wiki Review? That's hot. But sometimes you have to go off page to get the job done. I got the internet breathing down my neck because you're rogue hot shot rating system! This isn't a podcast. This is the Wiki Review. I know who that is! <laughs> Thanks to this podcast. Yeah, it destroys you. <laughs> it's old party trick you used to do to idiots. I got two cents. Hello and welcome to Wiki Review. I'm Ben Graw. I'm Gareth Remington. And if you're a skeptic and don't believe in holistic medicine or the supernatural or psychics, then this is a good episode for you. And if you do believe in all that stuff, then this is an episode you should probably listen to. Because on this episode, we're doing the Wikipedia page for James Randi. Ta 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 ta! You're a fraud! <laughs> I assume that's what he sounds like. I don't think I've actually heard him speak. Do you think James Randi is a household name enough that people know who we're talking about? Or do you mm-hmm. reckon it's just like Audie Murphy all over again? I wouldn't go so far as to say Audie Murphy again. Although I still stand by a lot of people know who Audie Murphy is. Do you know the funny thing is I was watching the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Tarantino movie. It has Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. And they're having a bit of a scuffle at one stage, like mucking around. Oh, Brad Pitt won the Oscar for that. Yes, yeah. I know what you're talking about. And Brad Pitt's like going to take a swing at Leonardo DiCaprio and he's like, whoa, whoa, settle down, Audie Murphy. <laughs> and I'm like, I know who that is. <laughs> Thanks to this podcast. See, and you guys, faithful listeners, would have gone seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and been like, I know who Audie Murphy is. I get the reference. <laughs> <laughs> References. And James Randi is probably going to be referenced in the next Quentin Tarantino movie. So you want to get your homework in now. Probably going to have something to do with magicians, I guess. You know, I don't think James Randi is a house household name. If you're a magician, you know who he is. I'm not sure what our demographic with magicians is. There's got to be a couple, right? Oh, definitely. Right? Yeah, magicians seem like podcasters. They would listen to a podcast. I'd give them that. (laughs) They'd want to be in. They want to know what's going on. But for everyone else, James Randi, he was a magician. He was known as the Amazing Randi back then. Not just any Randi, Amazing Randi. He even performed on Happy Days. What? He did a cameo on Happy Days. Like, as a magician? As a magician. Oh, that's so cool. He was playing himself. Was he all dressed up like Hocus Pocusy or? He was dressed up in a suit like how he used to perform. And I know there was a point where he was in like in a straight jacket because he specialized in escaping. Oh, cool. Houdini style. Yeah, he could escape from anywhere. He was basically like a modern day Houdini. That's awesome. Because I think there was a famous prison of some sort that he escaped from. I don't know. It's probably on his page somewhere. We'll find it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is cool because as we mentioned, he is also a skeptic. A guy who went around disproving all the Hocus Pocusy black magic people who 
claim that they have superpowers. And so is Houdini. Yeah, Houdini, after proving he could escape from straitjackets and doing all these magic tricks, spent the better part of his life proving that mediums, people who said they could talk to dead people, were all frauds. Well, yeah, because they learned how to do all the tricks. And so when they saw cold reading, they could see right through it and all of the other ways. Like James Randi and Houdini used to put on seances where they would say, this is all completely fake, but it would look realistic. Furniture would start hovering. And they're just like, it's just trickery. And you've got to not fall for it when people are asking you for money. Exactly. There are a lot of people who look up to James Randi too as a skeptic because you've got the South Park guys always talk about him and have a good response for him and also Penn and Teller. Oh, absolutely they would. He's the inspiration for their show Bullshit. Okay, is that the one where people have to do the magic trick? No, that's Fool Us. Bullshit, that was an awesome show. If you haven't seen it, you've got to see it. Have you seen Adam Ruins Everything? Yes. He stole that idea from Penn and Teller's Bullshit. Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah, I have seen some bullshits now that I think about it. It's just they pick a subject and they talk about why it's bullshit. Yeah, like they pick psychics, holistic medicine, bottled water, everything. And every episode is about a different thing. Kind of like us. Hey, we're (laughs) clearly looking up to James Randi. Yeah. And yeah, they say why it's bullshit and debunk it and tell you the science, but in a funny way. Did he have a show that he did that with? No, he never did an actual show with that, but they know him and he got them into like skepticism and stuff like that. Or when they got into skepticism, you know, they found him. Because there is kind of a international skeptic community, isn't there? Yeah. And whenever you hear like skeptics talk, they always go like, ooh, James. Randy. He's like the closest thing they have to a god. He's their Charles Darwin, founder and creator of Skeptical Lucian. Though it's really hard with skeptics these days because the word skepticism is used for a lot of things. When people say like, eh, they say the it was terrorists that caused 9-11, but I'm skeptical. It's like, that doesn't make you a skeptic. Yeah, because we're talking about specifically, when people do paranormal stuff, these are the guys who go, this is how it doesn't work. Because I'm a rather skeptical human being. I wouldn't say I'm a professional skeptic by any stretch of the imagination. I'd like to think I'm a part of the skeptic community. But either way, regardless how you put it, these people probably not the funnest people to party with. (laughs) Probably not. Like, if you had a choice between a dude who's like, I can lift chairs with my mind! And a bunch of people who are like, no, he can't. Who would you rather be in a room with a bunch of alcohol with? (laughs) (laughs) Let's set up this scientific experiment to prove that he can't. We'll set up controls. Yeah, or, hey (laughs) man, look at this. It's flying around the room. Whoa, you're magic, man. It's kind of the George Bush, Donald Trump argument of you may be able to say things about them and you can be very skeptical and put all kinds of criticism on them. But if you're hanging out with them, probably be pretty cool. Like if you're in their their squad, if you're hanging out with Donald Trump, if you're one of Donald Trump's boys, it's probably a pretty wild time. Yeah, for the moment while you keep him happy. All these people look on edge and paranoid. That's true. But I mean, like Kanye West, he probably has a really great time with Donald Trump. (laughs) I mean, imagine the shit you could do. I can slap anyone right now. Well, that's probably why Dennis Rodman's friends with Kim Jong-un. Wouldn't that be a great... And he'd probably come back going, I don't know what everyone's deal is. That guy is awesome. He gave me a tiger. He gave me a tiger. Who's given you a tiger? <laughs> name one person who gave you a tiger. <laughs> I can only name one person who's given me a tiger. Kim Jong-un. He's really cool. I mean, if he liked you, I could see how having a whole country to run would be fun. Like, having an entire nation completely at your disposal, it opens up all kinds of possibilities. Some of those rockets launched could have been for 
Dennis Rodman. <laughs> it's like, here, here, I'll show you. I'll just launch one. We can get it to Japan. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to set up a hoop on the other side oh. of Japan, and we're just going to try and get a missile through it. It's the ultimate free throw. I mean, I could see how going to North Korea would be scary at first. Like, if we found out Kim Jong-un wanted to hang out with us, there'd be part of me that's like, is this a trap? Yeah, this sounds like a trap. Because if we went there and he kept us, then that's, that's it. it. Yeah, no one's coming for us. We're his now. When things turn bad in North Korea, they turn really bad. <laughs> like, I hear stories like guys who were South Korean film people, like a famous director and a famous movie star. They basically kidnapped them, brought them over to North Korea to make North Korean movies, and she was treated pretty damn good because she was a girl and they wanted her to be like an onstage beauty. The guy had to do all kinds of torture stuff. <laughs> like they have uh, what do they call it the restraint position or like the humbling position it's this really uncomfortable posture it's a sitting posture where you can only sit like that for so long before it becomes really uncomfortable and they have to stay in it for hours and you get caned if you fall out of it like just days and days of that until he goes hey you want to make some propaganda films yes sir I would have been like day one like I will make whatever you want me to make I don't care but then you find out that like he doesn't really like yes men He's too quick to please. I'm going to torture you for a bit until I feel like, you know, you've got a bit more like balls to you. What are the answers I can give to get the least torture? That's what I'm aiming for here. I just want people who are real. I don't want some spineless guy. Well, I'm being real when I say I'm spineless. (laughs) Spineless is as real as I get. Real deal. I don't care. (laughs) But yeah, that would be fun. You can have all kinds of... Imagine all the things you could do with a dictator, communist, sovereign state, which is also completely devoid of the outside world. No one else their nose like if he told people that you had a unicorn farm back in your country they'd believe him (laughs) you just make anything up going yeah i got a unicorn farm yeah i've been to the moon and people are like okay i guess he went to the moon that's he's a very important guy got a house there i'm starting to turn i reckon if the pressure was on us we could make kim jong-un laugh forever (laughs) like tag team comedy i could figure out what he wants and i could make him laugh i know it makes dictators tick yeah but what could he give us over there like there's lots of money but you're stuck in north korea yeah but we're stuck in the good part of korea like the part which has a light bulb (laughs) you know we'd have all the cakes we want yeah because there'd be food and booze i mean i'd probably drink a lot while i was over there yeah unlimited servants i mean servants would be nice I reckon he could organize to get... I really like Converse shoes. I reckon he could organize to get some fake ones, I guess. No, they actually have real stuff, don't they? Like, he has, like, luxury cars and stuff. You could crash Lamborghinis every day. That could be fun. Yeah, just doing donuts in the middle of, like, Imperial Square. I assume they have an Imperial Square. You get pulled over and then, like, the cop looks at you and goes, Oh, okay, so move along. (laughs) Hey, what are you... All right, no, no, you're right. Although, if I was a cop in North Korea, anytime I saw a Lamborghini, I'd just assume whatever they're doing is okay. If it's like a shitty little, like, Volkswagen, what are you doing? Get off the road! If it's like a Ferrari doing 210, i just assume that's normal. And plus, they only give, like, five people driver's licenses over there, so odds are if they're driving a car, probably way more important than you. The lowest amount of speeding tickets ever given out in a country, North Korea. (laughs) (laughs) You could just go up and kick anyone. (laughs) Like, imagine having that power. It would be like the highest resolution Grand Theft Auto you've ever played. (laughs) It really would. You're just like, I'm going to go punch a hooker. And she's like, for the last time, I'm not a hooker. Shut up. Don't ruin the fantasy. And then you steal her money. (laughs) 
I got two cents. Because if it was Kim Jong-un, he could just run around doing that. And people would be like, oh, it's Kim Jong-un. With you, people are like, what are you doing? <clears throat> like, he said it was okay. Oh, sorry, sorry, mate. Like, you'd have to have a permission slip with you everywhere. <laughs> oh, we could get a billboard. Wiki review. Greatest podcast of all time. We wouldn't need a billboard. We could just make it mandatory to listen to over there. Oh, my God. How many people are in North Korea? Imagine that. I don't know if the North Korean audience is counted because they're not technically connected to the internet. Uh, that's not fair. We, we could broadcast it. Yeah, it'd go over the radio, maybe. It doesn't matter if they don't understand it. They would still have to listen to it. <gasps> Live action act out of our podcast on their TVs. They have a broadcasting network. We just play it and live on air, the North Koreans, who probably don't speak English, have to act out what we're saying and take our live directions as they do it. <laughs> so That'd every be a good show, actually. Wouldn't it? See these poor actors sweating and every now and again, one would just get shot in the head and <laughs> <laughs> then dragged off and all the others around them have to keep acting like it didn't happen. <laughs> That's some high stakes shit right there. Uh, yeah, like they just move up in the line. Like this person gets promoted to Garth now. You're no longer an extra. You're now Garth. And you see the guy quickly reach down to the corpse, rip off the sideburns and slap them on the side of his face and keep going. Just guy after guy picking up your blonde wig and putting it on top of his head and keep going. What are the odds if we just go to North Korea that like we could just kind of get picked up and syndicated? Um, I think part of that plan might work. We can go to North Korea and get picked up, but we might be put in prison <laughs> and it wouldn't work out for us. I mean, we'd stand out, right? And if we're very upfront about all hail great leader. So if we turn up to North Korea, what do we just like turn up to the palace and knock on the door and go, hey, Kim, what's up? First, we got to find where the palace is, right? And I don't think Google Maps is going to help us out there. Firstly, I don't know if they have North Korea tracked like that. Secondly, I don't think we're going to get any uh, phone reception. No. No, there's not going to be any smartphone linked up there. Uh, no towers. <laughs> but if we just rock up on the border and just kind of like walk around, I mean, sooner or later, someone's going to notice that we stand out and try to offer us some help. You know, put a gun in our face and be like, what are you doing? I'm just trying to get a TV show. I mean, they'll yell at North Korean. And then we yell back at them in slow, loud English. Yeah, that's not going to work out. But maybe if I do more physical comedy, we'll work on our mime. They probably don't know how good mime can be. Like, that's probably really high level entertainment to them. So you want to do a mime podcast? You know, no one's done it before, I can tell you that. And if Kim Jong-un says they have to listen to it, right? That's true. Imagine that, an hour and a half every day they have to listen to complete silence. That's like 50 episodes in before we realised we didn't actually have to show up and mime anything. Just <laughs> <laughs> you and me sweating as we try to walk through the wind, pull a rope. Wait, why are we even recording? <laughs> <laughs> Do you just want to hit record and go get a pizza or something? Dude, Kim Jong-un might rock up. <laughs> All right, put the white makeup back on. You put makeup on for a podcast? I'm just saying no one else has tried it <laughs> that we've heard of <laughs> since. Oh, James Randi, right? Yeah, yeah, that guy. He never went to North Korea. No. But he did put up a $1 million prize for anyone who can prove that they're psychic. Which is cool. So how many people collected it? Um, zero so far. Oh, wow. Maybe they so didn't. So far. So far. Do you know anyone psychic? Uh, no. I always thought it'd be fun to try and get the million dollars. Because probability states that, yes, there is a very minimal chance that you can guess your way through something like that. But there is a chance. 
like a 0.0001% chance. But how cool would that be if you just rocked up and like, yeah, I'm willing to claim I'm psychic. Are you psychic? Sure, why not? And he gives you like a test and you just happen to guess correctly every time. Like they give you like a hundred questions and a hundred times you just happen to guess right. And people are like, well, I guess you're psychic. Well, I didn't think I was, but I'm starting to believe it now. <laughs> Can I have my million dollars, please? I don't really have a use for it other than guessing numbers. <laughs> lottery, lottery. <laughs> you know what? I think James Randi would be totally cool to give you the million dollars if you were like, yeah, I guessed a hundred out of a hundred, but I'm not psychic. I totally just guessed that and it just happened. <laughs> I think he'd be like, yeah, you can have the million dollars. That's like the ultimate of skeptics. See, that's all you're going to do, psychics. <laughs> just keep guessing. Yeah, it's a numbers game. As long as enough psychics try, sooner or later one's going to get through. There are some clips on YouTube of him doing like debunking of psychics. Oh, that's cool. I sets up tests. I've seen one where it was like this martial arts guy. With the styrofoam thing? Yes. Yeah, that's the one I thought you would have seen. That's probably his most famous clip. That was a great one because I noticed it because the guy's dressed like Bruce Lee and Enter the Dragon. Yeah, he is dressed weird. With a bowl cut and he comes out like, I'm a psychedelic, what is it, telekinesis that he has? Yeah. But all he's doing is breathing on paper to make it move. Yeah, so he can move it with his mind. But then James Randi's just like, no, no, you're just blowing on it. So let's put some styrofoam around. And so if you're blowing, the styrofoam will move too. And I love watching what happened after that. He showed he could do it. And it's like, you're just blowing on it. No, 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 it's my mind. All right, we'll put styrofoam around. And the guy just looked at it and looked at it and looked at it. And then walked up to him and said, there's something wrong with the ether or something. Like a total bullshit excuse. Like, I don't know what the exact phrase was. It was like, oh yeah, the ether's not working. Yeah, and all the people are like, we don't know what you're talking about. Can you do it or can you not do it? Oh, not right now. There's just, there's a lot of uh, negative energy in the room. I love it when someone has like a stupid excuse like that. <laughs> like to say it bold face after coming out, I can do this thing. No, you're making this up. No, I can do this thing. Well, can you do it like this? Oh, the manor in the air. Yeah. Oh, the magic winds are thin tonight. Sorry. <laughs> I know he does have a story about someone who he was debunking who said that they could live without food. Whoa. And had lived without food for like 20 years. Uh-huh. So he monitored them in a hotel room and leaving them alone to sleep. But what he did was he got him and his crew went down to like the Burger King that was just across the road and the only place you could really go to eat there. And when they went down there, they saw the person had snuck out of their hotel room and was coming back with a bag full of Burger King. <laughs> And their excuse was, no, no, I just wanted to smell it. I wasn't actually going to eat it. That's awesome. No, look, I can totally see how you think that this is me eating food. But what? it's not, I'm just smelling it. Well, this is what I'd do. Just monitor the poop. All right, you know what? I totally believe that you don't eat. But if you don't eat, you don't poop, right? Obviously, right? Let's super glue your butthole shut. Because that's a question I've never heard the answer to. I know you can go three days without food, but how long can you go without pooping? I imagine it's somehow related. Like... How many kilos of food before you need to poop? Yeah, that's... Something's going to burst. <laughs> you ever put your thumb over the end of a hose? <laughs> it doesn't end well for anyone. Because how much can you hold in your body, I wonder? Depends on the human being. But like, you know, you, you've got your large intestine, which can hold a lot of stuff. You've got your small intestine, which is longer, but it's thinner. And then you've got your stomach that can expand and expand. And then there's just all the way up to the mouth. Not really much you can do after that. Yeah, you just start overflowing. <laughs> I do wonder with that 
three days without food or, or no it's was it three days without water isn't it i don't even know if three days that might be too long it might be less than that okay because the one thing i was wondering about is you've heard those restrictions of like well this is how long you can go without water that always seems to be if like you're lost in the desert or lost in the jungle somewhere what if i was just sitting at home how long would it take me to die of thirst i have air conditioning i can sit and chill i just won't drink anything and this is where it also gets confusing because there's food with water in it. Well, what if I wasn't eating or drinking? Because you're right, hydration, you'd you'd die from first. Mm. Because I think food is like a month or something, depending on how fat you are. And yeah, water less than a week, easy. So yeah, if I was just sitting in my house, I have air conditioning, I'm comfy, I'm not exerting myself, I'm just kicking back and watching TV with the aircon blasting, so I'm not sweating or losing Mm. much water. How long could I live under those conditions? If you're perfectly comfortable, because yeah, you're talking about like three days without water, but that's like walking in the middle of a desert. Because the only cases that they have of people starving to death or dying of thirst are in the desert or jungle. No one has died of hunger or thirst inside their own house. Oh, well, there'd be people who have been, like, locked in things. Oh, uh, yeah, and that classic one with a pile of newspapers falling on the hoarder. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but still, uh, isn't that kind of strenuous being locked in something? If I could just, like, chill on my couch, then I'm not stressed. It's true. It'd be crushing you would cause all kinds of... Uh... And trying to free yourself would exhaust energy. Mm. Same with if you're locked in something. You wouldn't just accept it, you'd struggle and try and bang the door a heap. Mm, you'd freak out and plus it might be hot and uncomfortable. And if all those newspapers land on you, you may not be able to poop either. It's all backed <coughs> up because there's a newspaper up your wazoo. I'm talking about dying in absolute comfort. Like just going, I'm just not going to drink or eat. Yeah, I can still have a shower, I just can't drink any of the water. I think you can absorb water through your skin. Now you got to stink, but you can debog. You can put deodorant on, um, but you can't have any liquid near you and you can't eat any food. You can binge watch Netflix in complete comfort in your pyjamas. How long do you reckon you could go? Because it's got to be way longer than the desert, right? Like, oh, way absolutely. longer. You're not exerting anything. I reckon you get the wickedest UTI, though. <laughs> like, you'd not be comfortable after a certain amount of time. That's probably the first thing that would happen. Like, you get a headache, and then you'd be like, my dick hurts. <laughs> my two heads. Yeah, both ends. Completely painful. You wouldn't be able to concentrate on Stranger Things or whatever you're watching. You'd be like, sorry, man, I'm just really uncomfortable and I can't scratch it. <laughs> Imagine that's how you die. Essentially, that's you die of a UTI. They were like, well, he just scratched until he fell down dead. So it's not like you can die in comfort from dehydration, is my point. And plus, there'd be a headache. True, but if they have like a cream I can rub on it, then I'm allowed to have that. Mm. I would say medications you should be allowed to have as part of that as well. Because it's really just your eating and drinking. Oh, but then you got to dry swallow pills. I mean, if my dick hurts. Well, there might be some calories in it. No, no, no. Let's not get too finicky with this. You see the spirit of what I'm going for. It's like everything we hear about starving to death Mm. is in a desert. Or you can eat all the pretzels you want, but you can't have any water. Oh, no. You die quicker than the desert. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, oh, I just need something. Imagine all you can have is wheat picks. I'd just quit after like five minutes. Like, so you can't have any liquid with this. Oh, wait, so dry wheat picks. Yeah, that's all you're allowed to eat. Oh. You can't really eat those. If you tried to eat a dry wheat pick, you get like halfway through and your mouth has no saliva left in it. Yeah, it destroys you. <laughs> it's an old party trick you used to do to idiots. Yeah, because isn't that one you can't eat a wheat pick in under a minute? Yeah, and you can't eat crackers and whistle. Yeah, I mean, I can't whistle anyway, so. Really? No. I've never known that about you. Really? How did I not know that? I mean, why would it come up? But how did I not know that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never learned how to whistle. Really? Can't pull it off. I can whistle two different ways. Can you? Yeah. And that's as close as I get. I can't do the fingers. Can't you? 
That big loud one? The wolf whistle one? or Yeah, the, where the people stick two fingers in their mouth. That's how I can sympathize with you. Of like, well, I never really wanted to learn that. <laughs> I mean, as fun as it could be from time to time to do a really loud whistle, I've never had the inkling to stick two fingers in my mouth until I figured out how to make a really loud noise. So I'll do the whistling for both of us. I've always found a whistling annoying anyway, so that's probably why I never learned it. I'll do the whistle, you do the cat calls. One thing that does interest me on this page of James Randi's is you got his photo here, bunch of details, but then it says James Randi's voice. It doesn't say what he's saying. There's no context for it. It's just his voice. Like it must be important to know what he sounds like because that's not normal. When we see other people's Wikipedia pages, it doesn't necessarily have their voice on it. Let's see if we can listen. Hello, my name is James Randi. That's R-A-N-D-I. I'm known as the Amazing Randy because I'm a magician. Now that means that I'm a conjurer actually because there are no magicians. You can't really do magic, but you can approximate it so closely that you'd never know the difference. And that's what I do professionally. I'm 88 years of age, going on 100 as I like to say, because I'm an optimist among other things. I'm also an atheist, but uh, that's not too important here. Thank you for your kind attention to this announcement. Oh, that was lovely. A nice little message from the amazing Randy. He does sound like a very old man. He doesn't really understand how this works. He's like, what am I meant to do? Spell my name? <laughs> yeah, because he is 88 in the recording. So says, I'm 88 and my name's James Randy. That's R-A-N-D-I. I know, we got to the page. Yeah, he doesn't understand how Wikipedia works. He understands how, like, psychics aren't real, but Wikipedia, that's magic to him. He can debunk Wikipedia, but he can't figure out how to use it. He can tell you how it's not, like, made up by uh, magic. So it says that he's 91 now. So if he was 88 then, that was, like, three years ago. That's pretty recent. He's staying active. Good for him. And it says uh, years active, like, he stopped uh, doing his everything in 2015. So he's been retired for about five years. I wonder if he can still get his million dollars. It says just here that the million dollar challenge is no longer around. So we're too late for it. Paranormal challenge was officially terminated in 2015. The foundation continues to make grants to non-profit groups that encourage critical thinking and a fact-based worldview. Ah, so the opposite to psychics. Yeah, so that sounds like something we could get, right? It's like, yeah, we don't believe in any of that bullshit like unicorns and fairies. Give us money. We'll say fairies aren't real. We'll go around making sure all kids' dreams die. (laughs) The other day I bust into a Peter Pan play and went, that's not a real person. This doesn't exist. There's no fairies. I don't believe in fairies. No, I do believe in fairies. I do believe in fairies. I do believe in fairies. You don't say that. That's... Aren't you meant to clap your hands if you... I do believe in fairies. I do believe in fairies. Is that the rules? That was in Peter Pan. So it's the rules of Disney, which I'm sure Disney made up the rules of fairies. Yeah, or whatever the rules for fairies were, they would change to Disney's rules and all fairies do abide. (laughs) They had other rules, but it's like dwarves. They all have the the seven dwarves names now. Oh, they've got him under world records here. Sorry, I was just scrolling down the page. Randy was in a sealed casket underwater for an hour and 44 minutes, which broke Harry Houdini's record. 
record of one hour and 33 minutes set on August 5th, 1926. Wait, was that when Houdini's record set? When was his record set? Yeah, because my first thought is, I bet that David Blaine's broken that since. Because it also says Randy was encased in a block of ice for 55 minutes. And I guarantee you that David Blaine has beaten that. Yeah, how long did David Blaine do? I assume he's done the underwater. So like, all this stuff is just the same people repeating the same crap. Oh, so he doesn't have the record anymore. So it's David Blaine. It's probably like Chris Angel or something went and did it after him. Yeah, Ice Cube. Frozen in time. How did David Blaine survive? How long did he do it for? 63 hours. Whoa. Which he didn't Randy just... was like 55 minutes. He was in there for like an hour and he's like, not even an hour. He's like, you know what? I think I made my point. I'm gonna in go fairness, that wouldn't last an hour either. Was that 64 hours, did you say? I think it said 63 hours. 63 hours, 42 minutes, 15 seconds. That's Which you're counting seconds? After the 60th hour, you can just say like hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long time. It is a very long time. What made him stop though? Uh, like he battled make- severe sleep deprivation and freezing cold temperatures before being removed with chainsaws. Before when you're asking how long someone can go without water, that's probably it. What says on here, how did he survive? Oh, he did get water. While his urine was removed with another tube. He was encased in a box of ice for that long, yeah. Okay, so he didn't eat, but he was still able to drink and breathe. Yeah. And pee. Peeing's important. Peeing's very important because it would destroy the ice box. It says he was removed with chainsaws. Wouldn't it have been cooler if he peed his way out? They just let the catheter break. The bag just popped and then it just melted around Like, no, no catheter. You put into a huge chunk of ice and while the record's being set for being in there the longest, you're also trying to get out. Like, all you can do is drink water and pee. And that's how you're going to get out of this ice block. Wow, he has played himself in a lot of things. Back to James Randi again. Oh, yeah, that guy. Because you had in, like... 59 to all the way up to 2014. Wow. He played himself. As an actor, he was only in five things and two of them were Penn and Teller. <laughs> and that'd be like a hokey thing to be like, hey, look at that. <laughs> and one of them is a stunt coordinator for the Houdini stuff. I know he did put together Alice Cooper's stage show, all the stunts and stuff that they do for that and visual effects. Really? Yeah, James Randi was the guy. He did the <gasps> trick where Alice Cooper gets his head cut off. Oh, that's so cool. Live on stage. His job is to figure shit like that out. That is so cool. Ah, be my Frankenstein. See, this is a guy that he's played himself in so many things because he is an actual name. I didn't know who he was. I'm trying to look for anything that I know. The Don Lane show. That was when he was in Australia. After Dark. What's that? Secrets of the Super Psychics. The secret is they're not really psychics or super. (laughs) The secrets of the super psychics. They don't exist. Penn and Teller's bullshit. He weighed in on... On the end of the world, ESP, and signs from heaven. Those were the things he helped debunk. Because yeah, ESP would be one he'd be well experienced in. And signs from heaven, oh gosh. And he was on Oprah. <coughs> Two episodes on Oprah. Yeah, remember he didn't really like Oprah too much. So what was he... Really? Because Oprah believes in all this la-di-da stuff and the secret and so forth. That's I don't true. think she's ever been like, yay, science. That's a good point. She I is mean, very she... believe in yourself and, you know, magic things happen. I mean, Oprah was also a big supporter of Jenny McCarthy and her anti-vax movement. Are you serious? And is one of the reasons why Jenny McCarthy got so big was she got a spot on Oprah's show to talk about it. And Oprah was like... Like, that's cool. I'm down with this. Yes. Oh, my God. Oprah Winfrey, while maybe not being an (coughs) anti-vaxxer, is like a sympathizer. Oh, that explains so much. (laughs) 
Because you wondered how Jenny McCarthy went from Playboy model to like that. That, yeah. Now Science that, expert. That makes a lot of sense. Because when you think about anti-vaxxers, they're these mums. And who watches the Oprah Winfrey show? Those mums. This is all making so much sense now. Though it doesn't have happy days on there yet. I yeah, it does. Where? Third from the top. Oh, good, because I was starting to get worried. <laughs> I was like, I know I've seen this clip. I wasn't going crazy. And the episode was called The Magic Show, because it was all about him. Did he saw was- Defonz in half? I don't know. I've only seen clips of it. I never saw the episode. And it's in black and white. It's one of those episodes. Wow. Like, it's really early in the series. See, I'm pretty sure I have seen him on the Don Lane show, the clip of him on there, where I think he bent spoons. Yeah, because it was a guy called Uri Geller, who used to bend spoons with his mind and use mystical powers. And James Randi used to follow him around going like, I'll do the same act, but I'm not using magic. Yes. I'm using trickery. I can do the same thing as him, but it's not magic. And I don't believe magic exists. I think they say at the very top, the most famous thing he ever did was go on the Johnny Carson show and help Johnny Carson to debunk Yuri Geller, which it says at the top that Yuri Geller, after that happened, he was like, well, this is it. I'm going to go back to Tel Aviv. I guess my career's over but apparently because of that he suddenly was now famous and everyone wanted to book him (laughs) while it is hey look at this idiot who says he can do this thing that's not real and he's totally tricking and people want him on board there's also people who still believe the stuff regardless of evidence just because it got the attention it's kind of how like donald trump got into power where at first they televised him saying he's going to run for president because it's like look at this crazy guy running for president then because they televised him people took him more seriously and thus he got televised more and then became president but it's the same as like with the john edwards and things like that like the mediums the people who say they can talk to dead people because they have this trick they're doing cold reading when they do it you have james randy right next to you going see he said this because of this and that means this and this is why that doesn't work and there would still be people going no he can talk to dead people because they just want to believe that's a hard thing to deal with (laughs) i know there used to be a faith healer who had a bit where they would be on stage going God's telling me that you know someone has a sore leg their name is Mitchell they're sitting somewhere over here and there would be someone like that there and James Randi turned up to a couple of his shows with a radio receiver (gasps) and actually was like just playing through actually heard that guy's wife giving him instructions through an earpiece of who to call on and oh that's so cool (laughs) and so they actually recorded it and played it on like I think they played it on like the Johnny Carson show or something like that that is so cool and then asked the guy to answer for it I've also seen I don't know what show it was on but he did the faith healer thing you know where they pull the chicken gizzards out of you yes because faith healers come out and go I can heal your sickness and that's a really fucked up thing to do excuse the language but it is a really fucked up thing to do say I can heal your cancer and then they put their hands in like a bowl of blood and then they palm a chicken gizzard out of your stomach pretend they're reaching into your stomach and pull out a chicken gizzard and so he went on TV anyway I think he used the show's co-host yeah to do it too he kept pulling crap out see look and I'm not psychic this isn't this is just a trick he kept repeating this is just a trick I have heard him talk about that and he said after he did that bit the show actually got calls from sick people wanting to get in contact with him so they could perform that surgery on them oh dear god and it's like you completely missed the point of the bit didn't you see and this is what it comes down to they're in grief they're desperate for anything so much so 
they're not even listening to logic. And so that's why it is very important what he does. That's why I have such a respect for the man because there's a lot of people who are taking those people's money, which they could have used to go to Disneyland. I mean, that is the thing. Like, yeah, if you were dying and your doctor said, look, there is nothing we can do anymore. And then you come and talk to me and you're like, look, I got six months left to live. And I'm like, look, come and see my hokey witch doctor. He'll fix you right up. You're at the point where you're like, I may as well try it. What do I have to lose? Yeah, except a couple of thousand bucks. And it's like, when it's your life getting saved, it seems Hmm. like, yeah, the risk is worth it. The money's irrelevant if you're going to die. Well, I'm not going to use it otherwise. Because there is that point of when do I stop trying stupid things and eating right and just spend it all at the casino? (laughs) When do I just go on a roller coaster and just not put the seatbelt on? You know, when do I start like hiring Lamborghinis and going to North Korea? (laughs) Like when do you start like taunting Kim Jong-un? Because like really, what else are you going to do, right? So yeah, I can see why people get desperate and want to do things like that. And I feel bad when I talk to people and they talk about how they're getting acupuncture for something they've got. And I'm like, yeah, it seems to make them happy. Do I want to correct them there and tell them it's all bullshit? So now there is a border on this where I do think that acupuncture does have a place in things. No, it's stupid. No, James it's... Randi doesn't like it. Well, James Randi might be overselling it. Like it may, <laughs> it may not do what some people claim, but it is dealing with a thing that's real. The latest one that I've heard coming up all the time is cupping. Now cupping's actually a really good thing. No, it isn't. It leaves those huge bruises on you. Yeah, because it's sucking up underneath. When people do massages, because do you think that a massage is a good thing to do? I mean, it depends on what do you mean good thing to do. Do I think it has super healing natural properties? No. Do, no, cupping doesn't have super healing natural properties. But like, okay, massages and uh, what are those people? Chiropractors. Chiropractors, they're legitimate business, right? They try to fix your back. Again, chiropractors, there's different types of chiropractors. If you're a medical doctor who specializes in the back, yes. If you do all that like spine bending stuff, First no. off, that is what the chiropractors do. All chiropractors bend your spine. No, there's the hokey type and there's the good type. Oh, there is the, and I do get you, there's the healers who don't even touch you and they talk about energy and stuff. Well, that's Reiki. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. bunch of bullshit. But no, cups is actually good because every massage is pushing, cups actually pull. And I know people have had back problems that the problem is you can't actually pull a spine back when something's been pushed in. You can only push spines because the other side, you've got a whole bunch of organs and stuff in the way. So you can't actually fix the spine that way. But cupping, while it doesn't have any ultra-ristic healing properties, it does allow you to pull things that need to be pulled. So if my neck's feeling sore, I should just get Shannon to give me a couple of hickeys? Wouldn't hurt. (laughs) Unless you want it to. And if she says that's gross, you tell her that I said it was okay. (laughs) This is science. This is science. And that goes for all of you out there. You feel a little down? Maybe you're low energy. I have a faith healing idea. Get a hickey from your girl. Get your partner to just start macking on you hard. And I guarantee you that faith healing energy, you will feel a swelling. You will feel a blood rush. And this is all to do with magic winds, mana stuff. Okay, I, I did Google while you're on your rant. Is <laughs> cupping pseudoscience? Uh, cupping therapy is a form of alternative medicine in which a local suction is created on the skin. Cupping has been characterized as pseudoscience. Oh, and it's practiced as quackery. <laughs> oh, look at that! It's just like phrenology, man. <laughs> <laughs> it depends, though. <laughs> 
It depends. Yeah, what are you using it for? Like, it actually sucks things up. Sometimes muscles need to be pulled, not pushed. It's the same as saying that massage is pseudoscience. There are benefits to massage. Yeah, see, massage is one of those on-the-line things where what exactly is it claiming? Because rubbing things that are stiff, yes, that can actually help. And that's all I'm claiming that uh, suction cups should be used for. It's I don't not think it align- gives you enough suction to really do much to the muscle. It depends, once again. Depends where you use it, how you use it, and what the problem is. If you have some, like, deep-seated problem, probably not. If you have some really tiny thing on the top, it's not going to do that. It's just going to give you bruises. <laughs> I stand by my stance, and I do understand what you're saying, because, like, massage does fall into that world of, like, there's a lot of dreadlocks. You know, a lot of shoeless people with, like, rings on their toes. It's the same as yoga and meditation. Because they are good for you. They are good for you, but when you talk to, like, yoga and meditation people, they always sound like they're overselling it. Yeah, there's this extra level that you got to be careful. Like, when people start talking about, like, oh, yeah, your tumors can go away if you just meditate. Like, whoa, stop it. That's dangerous. You don't do that. You don't say things like that. But, like, my back doesn't feel so good. Stretching and rubbing it and, like, cupping is just another way of rubbing it from a different angle. That's all it is. Yeah, that's good for it. It takes the knots out of the muscle. That's all it does. And, of course, it prolongs your life by 40 years. (laughs) And gives you laser vision. But only if you rub charcoal on your feet every second night. And you have to sleep on a wooden board. Uh, We'll agree to disagree on that one. (laughs) All right. Or it will become the whole episode. One of those things. Who thought that I'd end up being the the hokey one, the (laughs) quackery one? I never thought I'd be that person. I assumed. Yet here I am. Well, that's the thing I realized. When you ask somebody, do you believe in any pseudoscience? Everyone says no. Because you're saying, do you believe in something that's fake? Yeah. Essentially, I would answer that question no, but I guarantee that there are things that you can find that I believe in and go, no, that's not founded by science whatsoever, Ben. But then, well, what is founded by science? There isn't a doctor going around going, cupping, eh? Um, The boys at the lab were looking into this. (laughs) No one's doing that. I got like a lot of like magic and science awards by the looks of it. With the magic award, does he like go to get it and then it disappears and then reappears in his pocket? At the magic castle. I've been there. Really? What's it? like? Magical. And castle The Magic Castle, it's in Los Angeles and it has the weirdest restrictions. You either have to be a magician who is like set up in magic and part of the magic union and everything like that, or you can just be a guest at this particular hotel. Okay. <laughs> and so since I'm not a magician... <laughs> I don't mean to be rude, but isn't that true for every hotel? <laughs> I know, right? You could be a magician in a union, or you could just be a regular guest. That's true pretty much anywhere in the world. North Korea, you walk in and go I am a magician in a union (laughs) it's a great setup when you walk in because you just walk into this small room with a desk where there's a person there who you tell about your reservation and then they direct you over to a bookshelf and tell you to pull back a particular book and when you do the bookshelf opens which reveals a stairway which leads into the magic castle oh that's so fun is it kind of hokey though like it is well put together they spent a lot of money on it like it's not a, a cheap one like it actually looks like one from a movie how you would expect it to look cool because like there's a lot of stuff on the gold coast like that where it's just kind of cheap no not not these guys they do it properly this is far beyond dracula's yeah (laughs) as an example oh yeah we're way better than dracula's so do you have to sit in a waiting room until you go through to that reception because what if several people go in there at once it didn't look that busy to be honest like we (laughs) 
<laughs> we went in there oh. and it was just us standing in there. So we went in there and there's all these like little corridors and stuff to make it look more mystic and illusions around the place. Oh. And they got like different bars set up. And at every bar, Ooh. there's a different magician doing like close up magic and stuff like that. Oh, that's really cool. So you can just go around and see like bits of shows. Bartenders are doing magic and stuff like that. Didn't like those bars. Impossible to get a drink. <laughs> just stop flipping it around. Please give me a drink already. And then there's like these things where they have like the performance rooms where there are like the headline shows and you can just go around and watch a bunch of different headline shows there. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, have dinner and drinks. It's great. Is it like when you say hallways and stuff, is it like being at the Harry Potter school like or is it like castle hallways or is it just like a hotel hallway? They're going for the Harry Potter school sort of thing. It's as close <sighs> as you can get to that in reality. Obviously, the Harry Potter school is like going to be way more physics breaking. Less moving stairwells, but like, you know what I mean? Yeah, just like a big library. I've always wanted to be in like that big oak covered library. Not necessarily the Harry Potter one because that's trademarked, but you know, something like that would be nice. Because they have illusions with like moving pictures and stuff like that as you go by, like the pictures will like look at you, like the eyes will line up with you and stuff. It's just all this crazy illusions and someone spent a fuck ton of money on it. So it looks good. (laughs) I love it. Someone spent a lot of money on this. Not that busy. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like it's filled with staff. (laughs) There are just people everywhere doing magic and apparently no one's there. So everyone, if you want a quiet place to get a drink. Magic Castle. Magic Castle. But maybe when they're like giving James Ranting an award, that's when it fills up. Wait, what's that say? Oh, sorry. We're on the Magic Castle thing because it said Neil Patrick Harris. Does he do magic? Yeah, he does magic. Have you ever seen How I Met Your Mother? Yeah, but I thought that was just like a cheesy because he's like lame but thinks he's cool thing. No, it's because Neil Patrick Harris is really into magic and knows how to do all of those tricks. That's why they made Barney do all those tricks. Ah. Yeah, he's like into like magic and stage shows and everything like that. Magic is one of those skills that I've always wanted to learn but can't be bothered. Yeah, the reward is very limited. But mind you, every time someone pulls out a deck of cards and goes, watch this, you stop and you watch. You may not care. You're oh, that's nice. The, the one I see as a surprise is Orson Welles. Did not see him as a magician type. Well, yeah, you couldn't see him. He was on the radio. <laughs> All right. I'm shuffling the deck and I pulled up an ace of spades. Was that your card? <laughs> wow. How did you do that through the radio? Johnny Carson, I'm not surprised, is on here because we mentioned him with James Randi before. Like, he was good buddies with him. He's always loved magic. Yes. That's one thing you know about Johnny Carson. Steve Martin. Yeah, he's part of, like, magic and banjos. Yeah, he's an all-around entertainer. Doesn't he? He used to be a magician at Disney World, didn't he? Or Disneyland? Did he? One of the Disney theme parks. Hmm. Yeah, that's where he got his start being a performer there. Okay. I know he performed as a performer in just a regular San Francisco club. And he used to perform. And he like when he first started, they're like, go on stage and perform. He's like, but no one's here. Like, yeah, yeah. You have to perform on stage so people can see you in the window and they'll come in. Like, you perform so that people will see that there's a show and then maybe we'll get a crowd for other people. I've been part of those shows before. We all have. But if you if you've ever seen Steve Martin's stand-up, that makes total sense. <laughs> His show is a lot of like, you know, he puts the arrow on the head and the rubber chicken and the juggling cats and there's a banjo. But when you actually listen, there's no substance. 
It's just stuff that if you saw it through a window, you'd be like, something's happening in there. I need to check it out. And you go and you're like, wait, nothing's happening. He's just wasting everyone's time. <laughs> Let's go up to the contents on the James Randi thing back so here. We go we've here. gone off the magic castle one and now we're back to James Randi. Because I know you like to keep our listeners up to date on where we are. See, good job, Ben. <laughs> I'm learning. We are. We're all learning together. Uh, it only took me like 80 something episodes. <laughs> oh, can we go to legal disputes and find out what Yuri Geller did? Yeah, because Yuri Geller is under legal disputes. Randy met magician Yuri Geller in the 1970s and found <coughs> Geller to be very charming, likable, beautiful, affectionate, genuine, forward-going, handsome, everything. Which, um, I did just read this before as we were scrolling through, and James Randy's gay. Yeah, he is. Did not know that until I read it. Yeah, most people don't seem to know that about him. I actually remember, like, years ago, I went to an event where I saw him talk in person. Oh, that's so cool. And he did, like, a little talk and talked about a bunch of stuff from his career, but then he put on, like, this documentary that he had just made because it was a screening for his documentary and he was doing a Q&A afterwards. You watch the documentary and it's all like, I was on Happy Days and then I started debunking Yuri Geller and I debunked this faith healer and I debunked this person and I got all of this respect and then all of a sudden it's like and then I met this dude and fell in love and the rest of the documentary is just like I'm gay with this guy an homage to my gay romance and it's like wow this documentary really took like a a turn I reeled them all in because the reason it never came up for me is because well what does it matter it's completely (laughs) irrelevant out of everything he does it doesn't matter I'm only bringing it up now because he describes Drew Geller as charming likable beautiful affectionate Genuine, foregoing, handsome, everything. He puts in two physical, like, attractions in there. Beautiful and handsome. Hello, handsome. Because I know people who are beautiful and I know people who are handsome, but no one who's beautiful and handsome. I'm sitting right here. (laughs) I am handsomely beautiful and beautifully handsome. (laughs) It's like four times that. But yeah, so his documentary that you saw was just like, here's the man. Here's all the amazing things he did. Now it's a love story. The only thing that bothers me is when it feels with those things that they come out too late. It's like, if you want to come out and go, I'm gay and I don't care who knows about it. It's like, yeah, it's like 2020 now. Like who cares? (laughs) If you want to do that, say it in the nineties. That will get attention then. Like if he didn't put his documentary out in the nineties going, I'm gay, then everyone would have been like, oh, that's a big deal. Mm. It's the 90s. Neil Patrick Harris. When he came out, I remember seeing him talk about it. He's like talking with his partner, like, look, I've just got to do it. I've got to come out. I have to be myself, you know, and whatever happens, we're just going to roll with it. Okay. I can't lie anymore. So he came out as gay and was met with just an overwhelming who gives a crap. <laughs> and he, at that point, he's like almost offended. Like, well, come on, at least a little controversy, right, guys? Like, seriously, no one cares. It was this big dramatic thing I want to make a big deal about. But that's a common story that I hear a lot too of people who I knew who came out as gay when they were younger. They were just like going like, I was so scared for so long. But as soon as you tell people, they're like, no, I'm fine with it. Because it's really like in the mid 2000s, everyone just went like, you know what? We don't care. The best story I ever heard, I believe is a Mexican American comedian talking about, you know, he came out to his family and like really scary because they're really devout Catholic and they're really like, it was the 90s, you know? 
know, where you didn't, then rah, rah, rah. So he comes out to them. He's like, I just, you know, I had to tell them. So, you know, I'm gay. Dude, we knew that since you were like 10. <laughs> we played catch with you. We see how you throw a ball. Yeah, we already knew you were gay. Everyone knew before you. You're the last one to know you're gay. Has anyone ever come out as gay to you that you've been genuinely surprised with? Because everyone who's come out to me, it was just like, yeah, I know. No, but I've had people come out as straight that shocked me. <laughs> I worked with these people, uh, this one guy in particular, he was an Asian guy, and he come up to you and he, he was very effeminate and he kind of had like the limp wrist the whole time. And like, hi girl, how are you? Yeah, oh. And he was well dressed, well manicured and maintained. And then one day I'm sitting there talking to these other people in the firm and they're like, oh yeah, his wife was like, I went, excuse me, hang on a second, stop, stop the story. And they went, yeah, he's not gay. Like they knew what was coming. Like, <laughs> yeah, his wife did this. Wait, did you say wife? Yeah, he's not gay. We all thought it. Because that dude, like, are you sure you're not gay? His wife or beard, you know. <laughs> his top, whatever you want to call it. Because that is all stereotypical stuff. I mean, I've had that that way where people who I thought were gay who aren't gay, but mm. never the other way around. Yeah, it's very rare. But yeah, so what happened with Uri Geller? Oh, yes, that's what we're doing. We're still doing that because it's this thing about, he, yeah, he tried to sue him for $15 million on charges of slander. Which Geller never won, save for a ruling in a Japanese court that ordered Randy to pay Geller one third of 1% of what Geller had requested. So 0.333 reoccurring of a percent. This ruling was cancelled and the matter dropped when Geller decided to concentrate on another legal matter. So clearly he had legal stuff just piling Apparently up. a lot of people were saying it was fake. Which that's hilarious. Japan's like, all right, pay him like, it was based on 15 million. That's like, you know, pay him a couple of thou. <laughs> oh, it said apparently in the other cases, some dude, Eldon Bryant, called him a child molester. Whoa. Wait, what? Yeah, James Randy called Eldon Bryant a child molester. Oh, wow. Um, was he? In a magazine story and a shopping market molester. <clears throat> 1988 speech. However, the jury found that Bird was not entitled to any monetary damages after hearing testimony that he had sexually molested and later married his sister-in-law. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> that sentence took many turns that I wasn't... <laughs> you know when you start a sentence, you're like, oh, he said something defaming and then he got in trouble for it. And then it just veers off. Is this his other court cases or his appearance on Jerry Springer? <laughs> Jerry, Jerry. Well, guess what, Randy? He's here to Tonight, everybody, Elden Bird. Fight, fight, fight. <laughs> what a funny thing. Hey, I'm going to sue you. Don't call me a child molester. Oh, I forgot about the time I molested that person. But I married my sister-in-law. What's your point? Wait, what? Married your sister-in-law. That's a very complex sentence right there. Yeah. So was that your wife's sister? The or sister. your brother's wife? Ah, yeah, it could be either, eh? It could be someone you were married to because he married them. They can't be your sister-in-law when you're marrying them if that's your wife. Because no, because no always that's bigamy. You can't marry your sister-in-law. That feels technically impossible. Yeah, Anywhere but Utah. I'm pretty sure it'd be like his brother's wife, if we had to guess. But he had sexually molested her. And then I guess persistence paid off because later he married her. Wait, so if you're married to a girl and then you marry her sister, then they're both your sister-in-laws. Well, no, um, one was a sister-in-law because... Now the other one is, though, as well. He can hook up with a sister-in-law, but 
the only way to marry her is to divorce the original woman, meaning that she's no longer your sister-in-law. She's just your ex's sister. This is basically how the judge sounded trying to, like, figure out this case. Yes. <laughs> he was just like, what the fuck? Which, from the sounds of it, if I was to make a wild assumption on this, what happened was he got sexual with a minor, because if you do anything sexual with a minor, it's molestation. And then later on, when she was of age, they got married. Possibly because at the time, it was, I, I don't know, some kind of uh, society pressure on her. Just a gut feeling I think there was a cult involved. <laughs> if I had to throw just, it out there. Just a, just a gut feeling here. I'm happy to go with that. Wiki Review's official stance on Elden Bird's sexual molestation and marriage is cult related. Because yeah, when I hear a guy with a name like Elden Brunt who's molesting children and marrying his sister-in-law and James Randi's involved, it's probably a cult. If I saw the word Kool-Aid, that would be the only thing that would like <laughs> settle it. <laughs> Which is why all charges were dropped. I mean, James James Randi in 1996 tried to sue Toronto area psychic named Earl Gordon Curley. <laughs> Curley. <laughs> um, what did he say? Curley had made multiple objectionable comments about Randi on Usenet. I'm guessing that's an internet site. What are the comments though? Despite suggesting to Randi on Usenet that Randi should sue, Curley's comments implying that if Randi did not sue, then his allegations must be true. Okay, so he said something bad about Randy and said I mean you should sue me then if you didn't sue me it means it's true so he sued him (laughs) you really left him no option dude but then two years later, the Curly died of alcohol toxicity. So that sort of solved itself. Yeah, I mean, talk about getting the attention you want and then, like, being a victim of your own success. Ooh, there's one with, like, Alison Badoor's... However you pronounce that. But the television medium is based on her. Wow! Okay. The medium chick. Let's learn about this chick. Threatened Randy with legal action for using a photo of her from her website without her permission. Randy removed the photo and subsequently used a caricature of Debeau. <laughs> <laughs> when mentioning her on his site. So she went, hey, that's my photo. You can't use that. Um, can we learn about Alison DeBoe? Do you know anything about her? Just that Medium was based on her. Okay, has claimed a- to have used her psychic abilities to assist US law enforcement officials in solving crimes. I love has claimed. Not she has used her psychic abilities, she claims that-, that she has. Because no one's corroborating this. I'm claiming <laughs> that I help the US law enforcement officials. Do you have any US law enforcement officials to back this claim. No, they're very busy. They usually don't return calls. Don't even bother calling them. Let's go down to criticism. <laughs> so we're on the criticisms of Alison DeBoe. The biggest part of her page by the looks of it too. Yes. <laughs> Apart from the part on Medium. I love it when you can tell who made the website. Skeptics such as Paul Kurtz and Ray Hyman <laughs> <laughs> says that DeBoe does not have psychic powers. Skeptic James Randi says that people such as DeBoe give the appearance of psychic powers through cold reading techniques, as we mentioned earlier. For example, DeBeau, when doing her first reading of Schwartz, told him that his deceased friend was telling her I don't walk alone, which Schwartz understood to be a reference to his friend's confinement to a wheelchair, which DeBeau could not have known about. Randy says that Schwartz left to an unsupportable conclusion, since the notion of not walking alone can mean any number of things, and certainly does
does not describe being in a wheelchair, which it doesn't. So yeah, this woman's just another person who's using grief to profit, which I have a personal affliction against. It does mention some of the people who like her cohorts, like James Van Prague. Do you know who he is? No. He had a show that was like John Edwards show. Ah. And did the same thing, except James Van Prague kind of looks like Zach Galifianakis. Oh, that's so cool. See if his picture comes up. It's almost like Zach Galifianakis could play him in a movie. Knowing nothing about this guy, except he's a psychic, I totally want to see the movie. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Get Zach on the case. He reminds me of him from that The Candidate movie. Yes. He looks exactly like him in The Candidate. All right, cool. You've also got Sylvia Brown. See, these are all like people who claim to be psychics. Her famous one was the Amanda Berry kidnapping. Where there was this woman called Amanda Berry who was kidnapped and she was held hostage in a house for like 10 years or something and then was eventually rescued. And while she was missing, her parents went onto a TV show and spoke to Sylvia Brown who did a psychic reading and said, yeah, your kid's dead. You're never going to see the kid again. (gasps) Wow. Wow. And then she turned, she out, to be turned alive. out to be alive and found. Ouch. So that really hurt her credibility or got her more of an audience, depending on how those things work. But for some reason, they both work <clears throat> the same. It shows people that like, oh, she's a fraud. But people who believe in that stuff are like, I know who she is now. Because she used to be very blunt. And she also used to have this raspy voice because she smoked a lot. <laughs> so she's this old woman who's just like, your kid's dead. Wow. <laughs> I kind of like that, though. That's like a cool voice to have if you're a psychic. I don't know who Carla Barron is, though. Following travels of a psychic profiler, a medium, and a paranormal investigator. It's an American documentary. Oh, it's a person. It's probably the documentary's based on that. And then John Edwards. We know John Edwards. Biggest douche in the universe. That's right. Award winner. (laughs) South Park awarded him. So that's Alison Dubois. Is that how you pronounce her name? Um, yeah, Dubois. Dubois. Like, um, streetcar name desire. Could you imagine that? Like, you've gone to the police pretending to be a psychic. And it's got... (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Pretending to be a psychic. I love that. Like, it's the... I'm a psychic. I'm pretending to be a psychic. It's interchangeable. Yeah. Sorry, continue. So you get there and you get lucky on a couple of cases and they actually put you up to like the FBI or whatever the Australian version of the FBI is. And you're actually there on the crime scenes being like, oh, holy shit. What am I going to do now? Like now I'm dealing with real things. But There's a small girl that's been kidnapped. It's like, no, no don't listen to me. Go find her. <laughs> Clock's I am ticking. Dude, you need like actual like evidence. Once again, South Park, when um, the kids are sick and they believe in holistic medicine, and then Cheech and Chong rock up. Mm-hmm. They're like, whoa, no, that kid's like really sick. You should take him to like a doctor or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, first off, these people are already happy profiting off grief. Mm-hmm. And faith healers, the psychics who talk to dead people, they already have some messed up psyche that they're willing to do that. So with that in mind, that they are actually playing the highest grift there is. If you are that person with that mindset and you get called up to the FBI because you got lucky and solved some cases with your cold reading that in retrospect they're like wow you knew it all along wouldn't you take that with pride <laughs> you'd be like I'm gonna go and cold read the fucking FBI it's like I can say anything and they'll believe me at this stage and if they don't get it later on if I say the right things later on when the case gets solved they'll be like they said it all along it was right there in front of us did you ever watch the show Psych? no but I've been told about it by multiple people yeah it's about a guy who's pretending to be a psychic detective because he's just really good at figuring stuff out 
now. Mm, he notices everything because his dad taught him to notice everything. Yeah, it's That's kind of a funny show, but like five season in starts to go downhill. Like most shows like that. <laughs> Although worth- they are continuing to make movies. Are they? I would watch a psych movie. I always thought that when I saw the TV show that this would make a better movie premise than a TV show premise. I think they're all made for TV movies, but it's the guy who is psych. It's actually his show. Oh, is it? He's the guy producing, directing, I guess. Yeah. It's his money. I remember they had a really good theme song too. Yeah, never the heard theme it. song's worth listening to alone. Okay, cool. I mean, I can't sing it because I'm not a good singer, but look up the psych theme song. Check out the psych theme song if you don't know it. And then watch the show because it's not too bad. And he wears Converse shoes, doesn't he? I think so. Chuck's. Or am I thinking of a show, Chuck? Is that a different show? I don't know. I don't remember his shoes being a very big point in the show. Maybe I'm thinking of a different show called Chuck. Besides the point, did you know there's a pineapple in every episode? Of Psych? Yes. I would buy that. They have gone out of their way to put pineapple in every episode. It may not be a physical pineapple, but they mention pineapple or there is a pineapple t-shirt. If you check out Psych, I've never seen this show. It's weird that I know this fact. (laughs) I don't even know the show. I know that every episode he makes up a different name for his co-host, whatever. Yeah, they do that. Yeah, that one's more obvious in the show. Mm. But the pineapple one, it's something that sometimes it's at the forefront, sometimes it's in the background, but it's always there and they very rarely actually reference it. I also hear The Mentalist has basically the same premise as that as well. Sounds like it. Because we've worked with mentalists that Mm. are essentially just hypnotists. But yeah, Psych is funnier and it's good until it hits the musical episode. (laughs) Like most shows. Like Buffy. Like any show where they decided to do a musical. Oh yeah. I've seen some shows that do the musical episode well, like Scrubs I always thought did it well. Or like Glee. Yeah, I mean that was every episode, wasn't it? (laughs) I've never seen it. That surprises me. I thought you would have been a Glee fan. Really? I feel you would have been dragged into it. That makes sense. Like I should have been. I'm around the people who do watch it, but the people I know who watch it do call it their guilty pleasure. <laughs> like they know it's bad. And it is the kind of show that now that I'm thinking about it, I'd never watch it. But if I did watch it, I'd be singing. <laughs> I'd be pulled into it. I understand how I could get addicted to it. I did try with Glee. I really? I watched the first, when it was a started coming out and it was a thing, I was a little late to it, but they were playing it on Foxtel and I had Foxtel at the time. So I recorded a bunch of episodes and started to binge watch them. And I got bored about six in. It's kind of repetitive. I don't like any of that like high schooly drama where it's 30 year olds at high school. Yeah. Well, They're I pretending to be 18. I love that because we grew up with a lot of high school movies. Yeah. Like we were in a great era for high school movies. Now you watch them again. And you're like, wow, we really did think high school was so important. It's so irrelevant. Who cares what people think of you at high school? As soon as you leave, all of that is irrelevant. You will not see those people ever again. Yeah. Unless you live in some tiny town and then move. And that's a different movie. There's plenty of movies about that. But speaking of guilty pleasures of TV, <clears throat> shows. I've been watching this one. It's called Kings of Pain. Sounds like Jackass. It essentially is, except it's in the name of science. (laughs) (laughs) It's a reality TV show where it's these two guys, an Australian who's like a, I want to say botanist, like an animal guy. Well, botanist is plants. Yeah. Well, what's a biologist? Biologist. Biologist. He's a biologist. Hey, it's been a long time since high school, like science. So it's that guy and some American guy who is not a biologist and they're not really- It's Johnny Knoxville. (laughs) It kind of is. Like, they're really unclear on who he is or why he's there or how anyone knows him. But his nickname's Caveman. (laughs) He just lets us hit him with stuff. So we let him be on the show. Because the premise of the show, it's pretty much that, yeah. They travel the world getting bitten and stung by stuff. And then rating the pain that they feel. So that they, sounds like a horrible idea for a 
show. I would never do that with you. <laughs> it's great to watch because it's so stupid. So I think like the biologist went up with like, there's an actual guy who went around the world rating pain like on a one to four scale with a lot of different bugs, like, you know, a bee and stuff like that. And this biologist went, it's not complete. There needs to be all the animals and plus there needs to be a more sophisticated system for rating them. Who else wants to get bitten by stuff? And no one put their hand up. And then some dude who may or may not have been in the army, it's just not clear who he is. Must have been walking by and went, yeah, I'll do it. What are we doing? You want to get bitten by stuff? Yeah, I'm not doing anything else. Clearly I got nothing going on in my life. So these guys travel the world and they get bitten by like lionfish and scorpions and wasps. That's awful. I would hate that. <laughs> it's really horrible. And it's the same show every episode. This is what I love about it. It's such a guilty pleasure. Because it starts off these two guys who just have no chemistry. It's really, they have their, in inverted quotes, improvised conversation where it's just so terrible where they don't seem to get along, but like it just not even in like a nice kind of contrast. It's just really forced attempted jokes and attempted camaraderie. And then they talk about the animal. They go and they find the animals. So there's a bit of drama about trying to find them. That would be the weirdest thing, going through the jungle to look for an animal to bite you. <laughs> it's like the opposite of what I'm doing if I'm going through a jungle. Exactly. They're, you're supposed to look for stuff to avoid it. And so they look for it and they talk about how dangerous they are and how a lot, like, a lot of people have died. <laughs> Then they find them and they collect them and then they have sting day where they go and they put it on a log or whatever and they stand there and they both have to take a sting from one. So they usually have to catch two of these things and they sit there and then they go, oh, oh, I can't do it. Oh, it's going to be terrible. Oh, this is so bad. All right. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. I would not sleep the night before knowing tomorrow (laughs) is sting day. That is an awful thing to call it. (laughs) And then the other guy pulls out if it's like a waspy, they have these special tongs and the other guy puts it on you or if it's like a fish they gotta like dab their hand on the spines and then it's a guy going ah 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 <laughs> for a prolonged period of time first he goes ah ah okay get it off get it off and then he walks around going oh oh it burns <laughs> oh it hurts where it stung me <laughs> do you know what I hate though <laughs> as an aspiring filmmaker like we often talk about wanting to have TV shows or make movies and it's like that idea for a TV show of let's get stung by stuff is stupid yet still better than anything we will ever think of like I want to see that now don't you and I hate myself for wanting to see that it is the penultimate of like yeah guilty pleasures Um, Glee is the only thing that could beat that in a guilty pleasure every show is the same and it's just they've started at the bottom and it's just leveling up like every episode there's just one that's a bit worse they got like I want to say like a Komodo dragon but like a smaller version of it an African version like a goanna a Komodo lizard yeah Komodo lizard Komodo skink (laughs) still pretty big and they got bitten by that but it's like it's a bit different because that's not like getting venom it has some saliva stuff that does it but essentially you're just getting your bone chomped on by a giant lizard and one of them caveman got his arm stuck in his mouth for like 10 minutes because it wouldn't let go (laughs) It's just 10 minutes flash forwarding through this guy with a lizard on his arm going, ah, ah, get it off, get it off. (laughs) And then afterwards, after they've both had a turn and both gone, ah, 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 it hurts so bad. (laughs) Then they have review day where they give the rating system of how bad it is. And what's funny about that is it's two guys being macho guys. (laughs) Gone, it didn't hurt that much. Cut to, ah, ah, ah. 
<laughs> what I always have is this one guy gives his rating and the other goes, all right, like he goes, oh, I give it a five out of 10. All right, I'll give it a four. Like, I, 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 don't, I didn't feel it was as bad as that. Or, oh mate, I, got, I copped it a lot worse than you, let me tell you. So I'm gonna have to go a bit higher. So bad conversation. Ah, ah, I'm in pain. Oh mate, I'm tougher than you. That's the show every time and I can't stop watching it. That does sound like an awesome show. <laughs> Do you know what I feel would be a show that would be in a similar vein? If we tasted everything that was non-food items. Like batteries or like, <laughs> like batteries. Poison. No batteries, the table, <gasps> a couch. What does the grass taste like? All the different types of rocks. Different dirts and you know, what's... Yeah, just things you wouldn't usually put in your mouth. We're going to document the flavors of all of them. That's not a stupid idea. No, it is a stupid idea. I know it would work, but it's still <laughs> a stupid idea. Just like the show you described. That's true. <laughs> Actually, you remind me, I do have an idea for a show. Like a food critic, but for reflux. <laughs> How you know, it I'd... tastes coming back up. Yeah! Like, a lot of people suffer from reflux. And, you know, have you ever had a burp where you're like, actually, that was pretty good. Like, I didn't mind that burp. Sometimes they're really gross. Other times like, actually, I'm better than when I ate it the first time. Yeah, I don't think you've got a whole show in there, but I think you've definitely got a funny sketch in that idea. I think there's a podcast in it. <laughs> Just every week you just throw something new up. Yeah, exactly. Which I have reflux anyways. This all came to me because I ate KFC and then I had peppermint chocolate for dessert. Yeah, it sounds horrible. But when it came, like, you know, you like KFC and there's good peppermint chocolate. Then I'm walking around like on my little walk and it started coming up and it complemented each other so well. Because the chicken is a good reflux, but it has a really foul aftertaste. Pun intended. Foul. Ha ha. But when KFC comes up, it's good until the aftertaste. But the peppermint cuts it out and smooths it over. So you go, mmm, KFC. Ooh, peppermint. Terry, you're going to have the number one podcast with bulimics. <laughs> they will love you. It'll be essential listening for them. That's a crowd. I could do that. It'd probably help me out in the acting world. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. You walk into a, anything that we're trying to get an audition for and you go, yeah, I do this uh, podcast. And everyone goes, oh, I listen to that. You know. Yeah, it'd be all the skinny actresses, <laughs> like the ones that are like ridiculously thin. Yeah. <laughs> Some girl's like the size of a rake and you're just like, you know what? I think you listen to my podcast. Like at this point, I don't even like ask. I just go, hey, I do that podcast. Oh my God, it's you. <laughs> yeah, I knew you knew. <laughs> There's like some fat guy going, who's that? What the hell is that? It's <laughs> the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> All the skinny girls with the bad teeth. Love it. <laughs> All right, and that's TV and podcast reviews. All right, he had one more legal problem after his Alice Dubois thing, though. Sniffex. Sniffex. A producer of a dowsing bomb detector device. Sued Randy. Mm, sued Randy. And be- lost. Because... The government tested their product and it failed. (laughs) The company was later investigated on charges of fraud. So they made a dowsing rod that could find bombs. Yeah, that doesn't sound right. A dowsing bomb detection device. Like water diviner? Yeah, like when someone gets a stick and goes, I can find water. A Y-shaped stick that finds bombs. (laughs) Yeah, they probably should be sued. Yeah, that's a bit dangerous. It's not picking up anything. There are no bombs in this. <laughs> Boom! I there mean, are no more bombs in this area. If they were selling them to civilians, maybe, like, if you sold them on Wish, you know, you get what you get. That's fine. 
But if they were selling him to like military or police, probably not good. What I want to know is why is Randy caught up in that? Like, is it because it's a dowsing rod? I know he doesn't like dowsing. He actually did come out to Australia at one stage and do something with 60 Minutes. They test a bunch of dowsers to see if they could figure out where water was. Was this something to do with pipes under the ground? Yeah, because he set up a bunch of pipes and they had to tell him which pipe the water was coming out of using their dowsing rods and all of them failed. <laughs> of course they did. That's what I'm saying. If enough people got tested, someone would eventually get it right and everyone would buy that rod. That's a bit full on, like... Who'd buy that? Hey, I got this device that finds bombs. Really? What's it run on? Magic? No, that's not <laughs> what I'm finding bombs with. Bombs don't have anything to do with magic. This isn't a chakra. How does it know to find a bomb? Well, you just put a picture of a bomb on it and then it knows. It's right? magic. There are words that stick out to you on this. And there's like, under his personal life, I just saw Royal Canadian Mounted Police. So he was on tour with Alice Cooper where the Royal Canadian Mounted Police searched his band's locker during a performance. Nothing illicit or illegal was found. Ta-da! <laughs> so this is the Mounties. He's got beef with Mounties? No one has beef with Mounties. They're like the nicest people ever. Maybe they don't like Alice Cooper. Let me tell you boys, this Alice Cooper he's a boy who has a girl's name eh? He comes into our country with his makeup talking about poisons. We're gonna search his room and we're gonna find <laughs> something eh? Yeah, see to me James Randy doesn't seem like much of a drug taker. He'd be too much of a nerd. A little bit, yeah. Cause yeah, drugs tend to go hand in hand with people who believe in magic as a general rule which is hilarious that you take science and suddenly you believe in magic yet it never really happens the other way around no one takes magic and believes in science says that he organized something called the amazing meeting or TAM in Las Vegas Nevada if someone said to you I'm going to Las Vegas for a science convention you'd be like yeah sure you are that's not real no <laughs> what science you mean like anatomy yeah, yeah. You, you think you can count cards don't it's you? a probability, yeah. <laughs> it's the science of probability. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> Annual convention of scientists, magicians, skeptics, atheists, and free thinkers. What's L a free thinker? I don't know. I'm, I can't grasp the concept. It's not within my realm. I have no idea. Okay, truth should only be formed on the basis of logic. Fair enough. And reason. Which... That makes sense. I know that there obviously are people who don't, but you know when someone says, don't you think that all ideas should be based on logic? Who goes, no! I mean, that's true. Like, even people who believe in crazy things think that their theories are derived from logic. So everyone believes in logical thinking it's just what is logical thinking so it's kind of a redundant thing saying you're a free thinker plus it makes you sound up yourself it really does like it's like saying I'm a hipster you know mm. or I'm woke I'm a free thinker you know I'm just elevated above everyone else like I see through the guys you know I have trouble limiting down what I would be though because I could say I'm a skeptic but it's like I believe in stuff though well, I just don't believe in other stuff because skeptic means I am skeptical of things but am I active debunking people? No. I'd like to say that I'm a skeptic when it comes towards salesmen. They're not saying they're magical but just today I took a call from a guy who was like, this thing's gonna save you money. It's like, and explained exactly how it's cheaper. Like we already have a subscription, this new subscription we only have to purchase something but then it's gonna reduce the money and I could just tell it was a scam. I could not prove it because everything he said seemed above board and he sent through an email and I read it and did the calculations and mathematics what he said was true, but I can just tell it's wrong. Yeah, there's something he's leaving out. Yeah, there's something that's not being said that I need to figure out. And I feel that's an innate sense I have when it comes to salesmen. I can tell when something's not right. Call it like a sixth sense or like a magical power of mine. Yeah, I used to work 
um, as a salesman years and years ago when I was younger. And I wasn't particularly good at it, but there were people who worked with me who were phenomenal at it. There was one guy in particular who was just crazy good at it. We had a shop near a Domino's pizza and, you know, we were selling like carpet and stuff like that, like homeware stuff. Okay, yep. And people who were waiting for their pizza would come in and this guy would swoop in and end up selling them like a house full of stuff. It's crazy. And he was just like a shark. He was awesome at it. He knew all the little tricks. He was basically like the Wolf of Wall Street guy. Even in his spare time, he used to buy cars off people and then sell them within a week or so for like twice the price. Because he could just up it. Yeah, because he was just really good, kind of shady guy. He's <laughs> <laughs> just good at convincing people. Yeah, and so ever since seeing him, like I recognize his tricks when other people are trying to use them on me. And even when they convince me, I'm like, I know this trick and it does work. <laughs> I know it works. I I've seen it work. I believe you right now. That's how I know. This is a trick. A good salesman is like a magician when you see them. They can mm. basically convince you of anything. Because it is cold reading in a way. It's crazy, isn't it? And they do use logic against you as well. Like there's small little tricks like the final refusal where I would say to you like, well, you want to buy this thing, but it's too expensive. And you go, yeah, yeah, it's too expensive. I'm like, well, I'll tell you what, I'll cut the price in half for you. So now you've agreed now that it's not as expensive. Logic dictates that now you'll buy it. Because it is also a social awkwardness of like, oh yeah, look man, I would buy it, but um, it's too expensive. No, obviously it's too expensive. Yeah, yeah, that's why I won't buy it. Okay, now it's not too expensive. What are you going to do? <laughs> oh crap. Because that's when you don't want to get out of something, you'll usually make up an excuse. And if someone then eliminates this excuse, you're like, oh damn it, logic now dictates that I either have to do this or look like a jerk and back out and say, all right, that wasn't the real reason I wanted to do it. I just don't want it. And if you do it right, then people are sitting there going like, oh, I don't want to lose money if I don't buy this. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's heaps of tricks they have. It's, it is. It's like cold reading like this stuff. It's good to know. I should do some research into this stuff. I know nothing. I've gotten this far in life just by being polite and as genuine as possible. Oh, no, that would get you nowhere in sales. See, I honestly believe like if I was to ever sell something, I'd just be like, hey, hi, how can I help you? And everything will just kind of work out. No. <laughs> there is a good book and it's an old one called How to Win Friends and Influence People. I've heard that title, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like a beginner's psychology book ah. where it talks to you about the psychology between people and it will give advice like try not to criticize someone because you think about when you've been criticized before the first thing you do is get defensive yes because if I say Garth you knocked this over and broke it your first thing is think well it, it shouldn't have been there in the first place like some excuse that makes it not your fault that's right you're a dumbass for even mentioning it so if you don't want people to get defensive try and word it so it's not critical of them yeah and it's just little tricks like that Mm. The book explains it all so much better. What a beautiful explanation, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> but there are some things in it that I think are unrealistic. Like, how do you stay positive all the time? You've got to say negative things sometimes or you seem like a douchebag. <laughs> Like, haven't you heard those people who always put a positive spin on something? It seems fake after a while. True, but then it's, yeah, and it is also annoying. Like, just, dude, I'm upset right now. I mean, there's being the positive way, but there's also acknowledging a person's feelings. Like, if someone's upset about something, yeah, man, that sucks. But you know what? We can do something about this. Let's go kill that guy. And that may be exactly what you needed to hear. But sometimes I do take bluntness well, where somebody says, like, no, you're wrong for doing it this way. And so they get defensive, like, you know what? They're right. I am wrong. I should fix that. There is a definite personality trait in you that allows you to do that though. <laughs> but also there's a way of being blunt. There's a way of going like, oh, it's actually like this. Whereas some people, they really 
enjoy telling people they're wrong. And I think that is a big problem, especially with stupid people. When a stupid person knows something you don't, even if it's like, you know, oh, what did I have for breakfast? Oh, you don't know what I had for breakfast? <laughs> Why would I? How is it even possible? You don't know. I know. I thought you knew everything. Like they need to lord information over other people. It's not being smarter. It's just they know something because why wouldn't you? Yeah, they're not used to knowing something. So it's an uncomfortable Now they're position. enjoying it. Exactly. They got to get their fill while they can. So what did you think on this page on James Randi? I would have to rate this a Yuri Geller out of a possible faith healer. Because <laughs> it actually surprised me. Like, Yuri Geller and his career, I thought it's just going to be, you know, we'll talk about a guy who's a skeptic, is the magic, the end. But there was so much more there. His career kept going after he got debunked. And that's what happened here. Out of a possible faith healer, because, well, he didn't actually heal anything. There was no magic involved. So there's room for improvement, obviously. But I had a lot of fun learning about this guy. I didn't know he was gay. <laughs> I didn't know he made a biography about being gay. I didn't know... He was on Happy Days. Yeah. Oh, my God. Him, Ron Howard, <laughs> and Henry Winkler. All the coolest people in the world. That's right. And Mr. Miyagi, the four horsemen, if you will. <laughs> and he's Canadian, eh? Got in a fight with the Mounties. My God, this man's got everything. I had a lot of fun learning about this. This is a great time. What did you think, Ben? Well, I will give my rating out of 91, because he is currently 91. And I would give it... Yeah, I'd give him an 80. Yeah, because he seems pretty good. I mean, <laughs> I do like all that debunking and stuff. And I've seen a lot of the clips of him on YouTube debunking different psychics and all the stuff that he's done. I'm one of those people who, with magic tricks, I like to know how it's done. I don't mm. like the mystery. The mechanics of it are what I find interesting. Totally agree with you on that. And so I do like his thing of showing, like, here's what a psychic believes that they can do. And then he shows you how they do it and I think that that's absolutely awesome. Uh, I agree a hundred percent. You see a magician do their show, you're like, oh wow I wonder how he did that. But who cares, right? But if someone says, you want to know how I did it? Yes! It's like I used to love that masked magician who used to reveal all the secrets. That show was interesting. But even the one we talked about where the guy who could turn the pages of the book with his mind mm. as soon as he put down the styrofoam we all knew how the guy did it. It's by blowing. He didn't even have to say that. We're just like oh, that's how he does it. And that's cool the guy could have kept it a secret if he just said it was just some trick that he learned but because he said he was really psychic his trick gets revealed and I like that as, as a magician you can keep mm. your trick secret but if you're going to go and scam a bunch of people we're going to tell them how you do it it's putting a grift on people who are putting a grift debunking jerks I like that if you do go and see a psychic or something like that and you thought they gave a good reading first of all try and get a recording off it so you can actually listen to the recording back to see if you jump to any conclusions who said what and secondly just look up on YouTube cold reading and how it's done you can actually see instructions on how to do it for those of you who do do tarot cards or go to a psychic it doesn't mean that it's all bad and we're not saying that there's not something good because what it's actually doing is they're saying things that you are interpreting based on what you know about your life so the answers actually coming from within you as a stimuli like you get the card on the tarot cards and it says that the joker or the ten of clubs or whatever they get I don't know what the tarot cards are, but it says, you know, there's something going to happen that might be like this or that. And you'll go, I am expecting this thing. And you fill in the gaps yourself. And then it comes to a conclusion that you've drawn yourself. 
So like the, a verbal Rorschach test. Yes, exactly. You just needed some stimuli to make you think. And you might even disagree with it. I know people who do tarot cards go, oh, that's not right. Oh, because it's meant to be the opposite. Because cards can go both ways, apparently. It doesn't mean it's completely useless. It's just a form of like letting your brain figure stuff out. It's just not magic. That's the point. And when you see a psychic, they're reading you. They're professionals who have figured out what you need to hear or say things that will stimulate your brain to get to the conclusion you need to draw. Well, that's the thing is when people think of psychics and they hear that it's just a trick, you assume that that means that it would be bad. Mm. But people are good at tricks. Some psychics are so good that you wouldn't be able to understand how they're doing this. And it's just they're really good at the trick. It's it's, still a trick. You put the cold reading together with the reading the body language. As a human being, if someone's there, like, distraught, you're not going to tell them something stupid. You're going to, like, I don't know, I just, you know, like, I'm in a really bad relationship where I'm being abused or something. They're not going to go, the car, oh, the stars are telling me to work it out. They're going to be like, you need to go on an adventure. Mm -hmm. You need to start a new leaf in life. Like, And they'll walk away going, oh, my God, that psychic really opened my eyes. I now have the courage to do this. I'm so glad the stars like pointed that way but really someone just went dude you got a black eye like that woman is beating the crap out of you get out of there (laughs) look at your face (laughs) (laughs) so it's not all bad Uh, but it is scamming people and that's our disclaimer on psychics there we go I think I did a nice wrap up on that what an hour and a half of bashing them I think five minutes at the end should cover us yeah that covers us that's the usual strategy of wiki review (laughs) All right. Other than that, we just got the usual things to plug. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also email the show at wikireviewpodcast at gmail.com. Check out the YouTube channel, which is Humidor. Rate the podcast. Give us a five star, please. And you can find all of that at humidor.com.au. All right. Well, that's been it for another episode of Wiki Review. I'm Ben Graw. I'm Garth Remington. And we'll catch you next time. Find Humidor on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and at humidor.com.au. Theme is I Live for the Bass Drum by DJ Searle. All other music by Matt Graw.